Podcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Legend of Korra After Show, Episode 8, Remembrances. With joining me today is Mr. Torre J. Miller. Hey, hey. And I'm John Quick, and unfortunately, Ms. Liz Rishbaui was not able to um, join us this week. Again, I'm sure she'll try to be back. She'll try to be back next week, but she she's currently she's going through a lot of um um issues right now. If you guys can like, you know, send her good luck and a lot of positive energy via Twitter or in the U- or in the YouTube comments. She'd appreciate it. Yeah. Please please do. I mean, this is a really rough show to work on. I you know, I smell horrible. Like <laughs> I just it's have a true. personal body odor problem that it smells like I get hit by a skunk. And then, I don't know if you know this, but Tori is actually a werewolf. Uh, I am. Uh, I often will trap people in the room with me on full moons, and then I'll just maul them for, you know, kicks and giggles. And the weirdest thing is, is actually not, it's like, it's not even full moon dependent. We don't even know what his trigger is. It's just like, all of a sudden, he'll just like, wolf out. I mean, there was that time that you mauled that perfume lady in Macy's, which we thought it was like, surprise, but then we were playing Smash Brothers the other day just on the couch and just like bam out of nowhere so nobody knows so you know you got so you got me and then you got the lycanthrope you know this is i don't even know that's a a hostile work environment this is totally a hostile work environment (laughs) (laughs) oh man start start the comments (laughs) uh but yeah this week and we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna talk about the remembrances in uh, this uh, this week, and we're gonna get, go ahead and we're gonna preface this. We know that there, there's been a lot of the reviews already popping up. This and a lot of comments already about this episode. For those of you who don't know, this episode is what's known in the TV biz as a clip show. Mm-hmm. And basically, a clip show is done whenever either the um, cast and creators are coming up on a vacation and just want to get something out the door, just get something in the can before they get out the door, or because of budgetary constraints um they still have to fill the same episode the same episode order but they don't have the budget to do all the episodes to quality so a clip show is usually put together in order to deal in order to deal with that yeah and in in this case uh, as many of you in the comment section a lot of you out there uh probably already know there was a letter that was released by one of the creators of the show um not really apologizing for for the episode but explaining you know why exactly there was a clip show and it basically came down to um while they were in production of this season uh, nickelodeon came and slashed the budget for Korra season four and um basically they said that it it basically took out you know enough of the budget to more or less like cut an episode but they still had to fill the same number of episodes they couldn't just you know not deliver one episode and basically it came down to we could either fire a bunch of the staff 
and continue on, or we can do a clip episode. And they chose to do a clip episode so that they could keep um, the team together and the and the quality of all the episodes, um, you know, at a consistent level. Which you know, I got th- this is a little bit of lifting the curtain up on up on Hollywood, which you know, sometimes which most of the times we don't want to know how yeah. how how the magic potion is made. We just want the magic potion, right? But you know, but with this like. You know, I understand. I like this episode in just in terms of like where it comes in the season. You know, after we have had a lot, uh, there's a just just a lot of pieces in play, and there's a, and there's a lot of momentum. This does, admittedly, kind of grind the season a little bit to a halt. I'm a little ambivalent on the episode, but I can understand that. I can understand anybody out there if you did not like this episode. Like that's perfectly understandable. Like it's, it, you know, it. it yeah, it, it was kind of an out of left field. Yeah, I mean, and clip shows are hard to deal with because it's it's basically telling you everything that you already know. I mean, I like to think of it as a good way to kind of remember uh, little details that you've missed and kind of get reacquainted with characters that you've fallen away from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's one perspective. I mean, especially because the whole theme of this season has been um, looking back at Core's enemies and seeing how they've influenced her and how they've uh, essentially helped the world come to where it is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a clip show could be basically encapsulating that before we move on to the nonstop action that we'll get with Kovira and all yeah. that stuff. Not that this was, like, I'll, I'll have to say, for mo- when most shows do a clip show, it's completely and utterly phoning it in. This was not... Of phoning it in like this wasn't ember island players which was a clip show done in avatar but it was done very very cleverly mm-hmm. they couldn't do that but you got to see at least in the last third of this episode between varick and bolin kind of if they had really had the money to do you know a real you know a, a, a clip show the way that they would want to do it we at least saw a snippet of like really what they had kind of wanted to do but even even with that there's a lot of they don't just like show you past clips like that gets introed by the characters there's a lot of like commentary that goes over this from you know other characters in the show that are kind of poking fun at themselves and Mm -hmm. poking fun at plot points and poking fun at mako because (laughs) he's kind of an easy target now yeah poor kid but that's i mean you know it's it's what you can expect from is really what you can expect from like these creators like even when they're backed into a corner and they're given a then they're given a raw hand like they still you know step up to the plate so even if you don't like the episode you know you know just kind of like let it let it pass and you know just just remember that we got you know a lot more good stuff coming this way and know that there is a reason why this happened and it wasn't by like creator choice or laziness right yeah yeah so i mean and thank you for laying that out for everybody like i mean it's easy to just kind of come into the the episode being like nah it's just stuff but like knowing all that background is really helpful yeah so i think it was good of them to i think it was good of the creators to release you know that letter to the fans although that that may come back to you know bite them in the politics that is you know hollywood and especially kids animation right yeah you know, it's a very small world i really hope it doesn't but 
you never know. Yeah. Well, I mean, their show's over. I mean, their show's over. So they're like, meh, we ain't got nothing to lose. That's very true. But, you know, you got to look onto that. You got to look forward to, like, what's coming around the corner. And, I, yeah. I, of course, we don't know what we don't know what they're planning. Maybe they're maybe maybe they're going to be like maybe they're, they're watching BoJack Horseman and just going. It's like, hey, what if we did an adult cartoon on Netflix? <laughs> um, then they have uh, competition and A they should. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Adult version uh, of Varric's Tales. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would so pay to see that. It'd be great. Yeah. But moving on into the episode, we get since as again it's a recap episode, so of course we start in with a nice little recap from our master of the recap, Shiro Shinobi. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, just like, like for, it took me by surprise for a second. Cause you know, you always start, we always start the same way, but then he starts, he breaks the fourth wall and starts talking to us. Um, and it like, I was like, what is happening here? I can't, I can't even deal with this. Uh, especially as he's like pointing out different points where he was at, um, well, he's an active part in like the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was fun. That was, and it's like, and it, when we always like think of the character because we rarely ever see him, so we you always kind of just kind of think of the character as just like you know the voice of the narrator when he, he's an actual character within the show. So I guess yeah. it was, it was kind of nice to be like again, like you said, like point of a clip show. It's like get reacquainted with some characters that you you know hadn't seen in a while, and then we got you know we get get to see Shiro back in the the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and then just jumps in straight into Mako, uh, teaching Wu how to fight. Well, you know, trying really, yeah. really hard. As, as Wu says, you know, getting kidnapped is re- really makes a guy, um, I guess, like, reassess the pri- his priorities in life. Mm-hmm. Mako's like, yeah, I, I, I guess so. It's, you know, pretty sweet digs overall in a, Asa- like, Asami's house. Like, she's just like, yeah, just go ahead and move into my place. So I'm not living there. Yeah. And he's being waited on hand and foot by Mako's grandma, who's, like, worshipping the ground he walks on. Yeah, which, actually going back, remember when, uh, it was a season ago, when I'd speculated that, um, that Mako's grandmother was actually, in fact, the girl that Zuko went on to the date with in mm-hmm. Tales of Ba Sing Se? Yeah. At least according to, um, one of our commenters, and I'm, I'm so, so sorry, I, I'm forgetting who you are, please comment in the sections and go, it was me! <laughs> so that we can give you proper thanks. It was, actually was that girl. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. That's just tying it all together. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man. That, I mean, and that's, Definitely true to form of what the creators of the show do is they like to make sure they have those little Easter eggs for you to connect uh, in the background. Yeah, good long, yeah, just so long time fans can just get that little bit of a thrill. It's just like, yay, <laughs> just a bit of a squee. You're allowed to squee, <laughs> but not, not too much. Not too much. Gotta gotta keep it. Gotta moderate the yeah, squee. I'd say at like five to six e's, <laughs> and then you're done. Yeah, let's not get crazy here. No. Not with the squeeze, but <laughs> so yeah, we we see the well, we see um the fight training with Prince Wu is going as bad as well as you can expect. Mako barely even taps him, and then Wu's auto, just on the ground saying "Wu down," <laughs> and Mako's like, "That's basically your catchphrase, dude." It's a pretty good catchphrase, though. It, it, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is for exp- for expressing just how weak his <laughs> character is like physically weak and also just a little bit emotionally weak which you know as you know as he figures out like 
Prince Wu knows absolutely nothing about Mako, like, expressing this, like, I wasn't raised in the in the forest by police. <laughs> and Mako's like, what? Do, do you even know anything about me? He goes, no, actually, I don't. Let's solve that problem. And then we're going into our first, you know, just series of eclipses. Mako basically retells the, the, the story of the series all from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, involves a lot of really good meta commentary on the love triangle between him, Korra, and Asami, and yeah. all of that that entails. I feel like these were all just pulled out of forums. Like, all the commentary was just like, yeah, that's what everyone thought. Yeah, um, that was a dumb thing, not telling Korra that they weren't together anymore. <laughs> Or, or like one of the, or like one of the best parts, like when when Mako and Asami break up in season one, and the one dude in Prince was like, "Dude, was that a, was that a breakup?" Mako's like, "Yeah, yeah, that was totally a breakup." <laughs> and even his cousins coming in, just, "Yeah, that wasn't really a breakup, man. What? How do you know that was a breakup?" It's like, whatever, it was mutual. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Good on the quips. <laughs> And but the oh but then just like moving forward like him and like of course uh, season two him and Cora's relationship was such a dysfunctional nightmare yeah it really was like it was just all those all those little clips of Cora's just like I can't believe you're taking a side I can't believe you're taking a side which is just like just going back to like because in season two they regressed Cora you know way too much yeah and they just like. Made her actually, I would say that she was like more selfish and more childlike than what she was even at the beginning of season one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made up for it like spectacularly in season three and in this season. Yeah, but like, yeah, that, that was that was kind of that was kind of good. It was kind of good to see. I, I like that they they themselves like because a lot of fans have talked about like you know season two was really hit or miss. It's nice to see that the creators are like you know fully on and acknowledging that's like. Yeah, it wasn't, you know... It wasn't the best. It's like, we got some things, but not everything. Of course, yeah. again, going back to that, season two apparently was a rush job. Right. They got the episode order in. Yeah, it, it, it like, there were behind-the-scenes go- things going on there as well, as, you know, we... As we're now, as we're now seeing, that that, ha- that has a lot to do with, like, you know, when an episode that comes up you know, that you don't necessarily like in a really good show, there's probably a behind-the-scenes story that people can't talk about for fear of getting fired. Right. Um, I mean, and for all the for all the flack that season two gets, I mean, I feel like that, it, that represents how teenage relationships go a lot of the times. Like, I mean, just because you like someone a lot doesn't mean that you're meant to be Maybe together, either. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, in that regard, I felt like it was it was well done. Well, especially, like, the, of course, then there was like this the super awkward moment where Cora comes back and like doesn't remember that her and Mako broke up, and she just kisses Mako in front of like Asami and everybody, and even Bolin's like doing like the side eyes looking over Asami, and Asami's just looking angry because <laughs> Mako and her basically had gotten back together, and yeah. and again expressed in by Prince Wu that it's just like no, you were you know legitimately broke up with Korra. You were totally a free person, and you and Asami definitely have you know an understandable you know attraction and all this other good stuff. I yeah. was just like, yeah, I remember when that happened in season two. I was just like, oh yeah, awesome. They're gonna put them two together. That's great. I actually kind of like them as a couple. Yeah, they work. And then they're just decided, nope. Like we're we're gonna mysteriously have Mako just become a total coward like right now. <laughs> But it, it it is like it has come down to like so many guys in that situation would do 
basically the same thing. Right. I mean, because it's it's hard because he he does like or at the time he did really like Cora. I mean, and they broke up, but like it for him, I think he saw it as a chance to you know try again, start anew, <laughs> even though like it was the worst decision he could have made. Yeah, that was just like I'm just going to lie by omission here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but especially Mako's grandmother, and it's just like your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Which just kind of makes me, like, it just makes me wonder, it's like, wow, what was Mako's grandfather like? Because apparently the dude was a total rake. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's, wow. <laughs> I hope he swoops in around the end of this, this season, and he's like, he's basically boomy too. <laughs> that would be awesome. No. I don't think, uh, well, maybe we'll get something like that. I don't <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah, I highly doubt, doubt it. it. Yeah, no. We're probably not, <laughs> but I like the I like how it like wraps it all up with with just Prince Wu going. It's like I have learned something. Ladies are really complicated. No offense, Grandma. None <laughs> <laughs> taken. Yeah, like of course, like Prin- Prince Wu was doing the classic. It's like I have ladies all over me all the all the time, <laughs> guys. You just don't know them. They're from Avatar Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I it's like I met her on the Spirit Vine Network. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you just plug in, you swipe left, swipe right. Yeah, yeah, that's totally what's going on. <laughs> She's really into the videos I used to make. Uh, they were only six seconds. Tra- transferred over Vine. Dudes. All right, that's enough of that. Yeah, but then of course, it, but then we go. Then we move on from Mako and we were now with Korra and uh, and Asami on on Air Temple on Air Temple Island, in which we get you know again. There's been a lot of great shipping Korasami fodder this <laughs> this season. Have you, have you noticed that? I yeah. don't know if they're doing it deliberately to mess with us or if they're just like, hey, you know what? Last season, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, from like from a shipper standpoint, yeah, it's like it's open season. But from like a like a regular person standpoint, you're like, well, that's how friends are. Friends look out for one another and they chat and stuff. But I want that to be a thing, so I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but like with, with this, well, with with before when it was more of a with Wu and Mako, we had more of a like looking back and kind of like skewering a little bit of the weak points mm-hmm. um, from you know seasons past. This was a little bit more of. It was analyzing, like, we got some insight into, like, what's been going through Korra's mind, and it just comes down to, like, she was, you know, reflecting on what Toph said of her, that the world doesn't need an avatar, and she was, like, and it was naive, but it is, like, something that, you know, heroes, they they don't, they sometimes tackle with, they sometimes tackle with heroes, but they don't always, but it, it is a good story to go on, it's like, no matter how many of the bad guys I beat, there's always a new bad guy, what difference am i really making in the world and core is struggling with that because she doesn't know like you know we we saw when she was talking about her like you know her flashback like she was you know so gung-ho to be the avatar she was so ready to get out there she wanted to make a difference she wanted to change the world and what she said is like i was so naive Mm -hmm. and in some ways she was but you know you know but but like at the same like at the same time like the, you know the, when when heroes are going through this it it is like it is very easy to get disheartened when like you're trying to protect the world but it seems like no matter what you do there's always like you know when, once you clean you know once you clean up one mess somebody's already created an even bigger one just right. you know around the corner 
Well, I mean, and it's it's a thing that's reflected in heroes, but it's also a thing of life. It's like even when you're dealing with one problem, there's always another one brewing that you don't even know about. And so, like, life is struggle. Life is uh, overcoming challenges. It's never going to be an easy ride. Yeah, and even as, like, Korra is, like, getting, you know, down on herself for... You know, basically, like, for, for not living up to her own expectations, Asami is giving her, like, a lot of perspective in that. It's just like, no, look look at all you did. It's just like, yeah, there was, yeah, yeah, you know, there was a mon, and, you know, maybe you didn't handle it, like, you know, the absolute best way possible, but you exposed, you know, you exposed him. You took, you know, you destroyed the Equalist movement, and now Republic City is, like, free elections. Mm -hmm. And, you know, benders and non-benders have equal say in how the government is run. Yeah. You know, and and it was, like, it was, those are things that Cora isn't kind of taking into perspective, and I think that they're, you know, that sometimes, you know, watching the show that you, you, you can forget, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, there there ha you know she has like managed to overcome you know quite a bit like we don't necessarily like lo- we we don't necessarily like look at it that from that perspective because mm-hmm. Cora is a meathead character trying to solve like cerebral smart person problems and so of course her solution is never going to necessarily be perfect right i mean and but at the same time, and yeah, it's really hard to kind of tape, take a step back and see the dominoes that have fallen mm-hmm. based on stuff that's happened. Like, all she sees are the enemies themselves, not the results of what happened within them. Yeah. Um, with the, the only one that she actually sees um, the after effects of is Zaheer, um, because they're negative and she likes to harp on the negative. Well, she's, re- well, she is re- well, she's really, really down on herself because of, well... She, I, I guess, because of just like the fact that she got like so, the fact that she got so injured, and because like because the the fact she views because of the fact that she was injured and she had been gone from the world for basically three years, mm-hmm. that that led that was the direct lead into Kuvira's rise to power, right? And in some ways, you can see where she's coming from, but in a lot of ways, it wasn't just the fact that Korra wasn't there. There were so many people who could have stepped up yeah. to do something about Kuvira, but everybody just decided, it's like, no, let's let's let this, you know, not at all Napoleon <laughs> person, well, or so I guess Sozin in this show, so... Yeah. Just, you know, go ahead and lead an army. Like, nobody, apparently everybody just turned a blind eye to the glaring warning signs that were probably popping up from as soon as she took over Bossing Say. Right. Well, I think that she was more covert, and she, from the outside, it looks like she was making progress. Yeah. Um, I mean, and she has active supporters. Uh, however, I mean, her methods, like, more recently came to light as she's become more dictatory and. Uh, you know, usurping the the throne and all that stuff. Um, but like, and I I kind of feel like Korra's not wrong. Like, I do feel like Kuvira. I mean, though Korra probably wouldn't have made great movements in terms of un- unifying and getting rid of the chaos. Like, I I feel like if she was still active, Kuvira would have never been in a position to take power. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess also at the same day, like, I go back to this, Sue could have easily squashed all of this if, if she had kind of, if she had just stepped up to the plate a little bit. Right, but, but I mean, Sue is all about not, like, non, 
individual governance. Yeah. Um, so she would have never taken that role as someone to like, because she would have seen it as being a queen or what Kuvera is as a dictator. Yeah. So it's not in her her character to to step up in that way. Like, I mean, maybe Tenzin could have done it, but he was still building the he was getting the air nation together. Um, and President Raiko's pretty useless. Yeah. Well, I mean, he runs the United Republic, which apparently is like. Super I mean, easy. I, yeah. Well, I guess, well, I guess, en- <laughs> I guess enough, fam. But like, yeah. But speaking of Tenzin, he does come in at that last moment to to talk to Korra about like, you know, it's like you have changed so much and grown into such a great avatar. You shouldn't, you know, be down on yourself. Like you, you, it's like you have gotten, like you have gotten better as a person and as an avatar. And it, it kind of was exactly what Korra needed to hear at that moment. So, yeah. I mean, so that. That'll probably at least lead into the next episode. Mm-hmm. And then on our final third of this episode, the, oh my god, this was, you know, if you didn't like the first two thirds of the episode, I completely understand, but this last third, this last third makes up for any, any gripes, any gripes that I had had, <laughs> this was like, I, I don't need, like, this made up for everything. It's just like a great, almost ten minute short film of Varric being as Varric as he can be. As, <laughs> basically, Varric decides to, to pitch the best mover ever, yeah. starring Bolin as Nuktuk, as Bolin. <laughs> <laughs> so meta. <laughs> it's just like, wait, am I am I Nuktuk or is or am I playing Nuktuk or is Nuktuk is playing me? Both. Both. <laughs> we'll capitalize on we'll capitalize on the uh, on the pre- on the franchise that is Nuktuk to get more people into it. You, you get that there's a lot of meta commentary going on right now with Varric, with right. you know that's almost too many cooks ish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, um, I I literally just got that stuck or er, out of my head. You jerk. Anyways, um, but yes, and I love that. Like even though there were clips, it was all just like out of context. Um, just so such great storytelling and uh the extra stuff made it all the more better like with the with all the villains and stuff the phone call the fearsome foursome yes. or e- evil squared or or the terror terror square yeah the terror square <laughs> i'm gonna focus group on that one yes. <laughs> oh but yeah like so Ver- Varric just launches into this story basically you know Pitching Bolin as the hero, and Bolin is just like, well, why? I betrayed, like, I betrayed everybody, and I went off to follow a dictator. He's like, you're just emphasizing the wrong story beats. This is how it, this is how it goes. And he tells this just, like, overblown story with singing, and way too many characters, and explosions, and (laughs) Pabu shooting lasers out of his eyes. Oh, and did you notice, like, in the part where he was talking about um, Bolin fighting Unavatu, that that they actually just superimposed yes. Bolin's face on the Korra? Yeah. That was great. That was such... I didn't notice that my first time. I only saw that, like, coming back. Oh, really? I, yeah, I don't know why. It, like... Because it blended so, so well, and then you, you, like, take another look, like, because... The first time you see it, because it's all Korra's hair and everything, and they have similar facial structures. Yeah. And then you're like, nope, that's Bolin. That's that's weird. <laughs> well, especially I like when, like, Bolin tries to interrupt him, like, you know, trying to, like, put some, like, some more realism or, like, heart, like you know, more, like, heart to it. Like, all, like all of the other people that have been sitting, the all the other refugees are just like, no, when does the singing start? <laughs> no singing. <laughs> yeah, shut up. <laughs> Let's get let's let this man keep telling his story. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Um but yeah, and 
Uh, I just want to reenact the like. I just want to reenact the phone call. I don't know why, but uh, anyways, <laughs> it's, it's just like wait, Zaheer teamed up with with Vatu. How did that happen? How do you think it happened? <laughs> ring, ring. <laughs> uh, this, this, it, it, uh, I'm glad I caught you at home. Ha, huh, that's really funny because you know I'm stuck here and all that. <laughs> Uh, is uh, you know is the other guy on the line? Yeah, and then and then Amon shows up, or the zombie reincarnated zombie of Amon, or something like that. Because and I and I especially love how they actually got because they have Steve Bloom voicing Baraz, yes. the the fight. The Firebender um, refugee, and so like, of course they got. They just had to have Steve in the booth. It's like, hey, could you do Amon again? <laughs> just <laughs> like, a few lines, pleasure. just really. And he's like, oh yeah, well, why not? <laughs> so we got some new records from him, and then just like the the stupid voice that they put over Unalak, and especially I like how they didn't actually use Unalak. They mm-hmm. used Unalak from the Movers, yeah, the, the evil the evil sorcerer Unalak, and it was very clearly the guy that does Varric, just just you know like affecting a really fake voice. Yeah. Hey guys, I want to be in on this too. <laughs> Nobody wants you here. Ah, <laughs> uh, you always got to have that friend that no one likes. Uh, in the Super Friends, it's Aquaman. Yep. Uh, in South Park, it's Cartman. Uh, and in the Terror Square, it's, it's Unalak. Uh, but then, like, especially, like, how it all ends with just, like, you know, just the big overblown climax that makes no sense. And then Bolin is just, like, walking around. It's like, you cannot honestly like any of this. Why are you cheering? <laughs> and they're just like, dude, calm down. It's just a mover. <laughs> Just I- expressing all of my frustration with anything Michael Bay has done. <laughs> um, especially the last line, which super applies to Pearl Harbor, where it's like, never let the truth stand in the way Wait, of a good story. Yeah. I, you know, it's, which is, which is really weird, cause that's like essentially the moral to one of my favorite movies, The Man Who Shot Liberty Vance. Yeah. Like, that's essentially the moral of the story. And that's a fantastic movie, but you can see that that has a dark side to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I I want Beric to tell the rest of this season. I want it all from his perspective. I wonder if we can just get, like, the, the, I don't know, they don't, I, I guess, like, if they had, like, more money just to do it, like, that would be awesome, just to have a do a Beric does recaps. Yeah. Like as a podcast, because I would listen to that. It'd almost be like a riff track. I mean, it would essentially put us out of business, but... Um, well, I mean, if we could get him on here, he, we can just have him do it the whole time. Every that, week. That would be that would be incredible. <laughs> we need to make that happen. We just, like, ha- like just, ha- just, have the, just have him in here and just like, all right, you know, we'll just sit back and go. Yeah. <laughs> um, fans, to the Twitter, let him know that we want him on this show. Yes, all of you. Please. He's like, what is Afterbus? <laughs> he might just. I don't know. No, people know who we are. Yeah, no, we're important people. Maybe not me and you, but people know who Afterbus is. Yes, because it's 
And I don't, I, like, that, that, that's, this is starting to go to insulting lengths. No, but, I mean, well, people would know, or people, uh, will continue to know us if you go to iTunes and rate and subscribe. It helps us get more people on the show. It helps get our name out there in the universe. Uh, so keep on doing what you're doing. Go to iTunes, uh, give us five stars. Let our producers know that we're doing an amazing job. Bam! Wow, that was, that was honestly the best plug I think we've ever done on this show. Mostly because <laughs> I'm reading them, so you know. <laughs> but that, on that note, that wraps us up for this week. We'll see you guys all next week, and hopefully Ms. Lishra, Liz Rishbaui, yet again, <laughs> going back to, it's like, who put this guy in charge? We'll be with, we'll be with, will be with us. Um, where can they find you, Mr. Miller? You can find me on Twitter at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. You can also find me here on AfterBuzz TV on assorted panels like uh, The Flash, Arrow, and Sword Art Online. And guys, I'm John Quick. You can find me at Twitter at at now quick. And you can find Ms. Liz Rishmaui at Rishi Maui? Lizzie Maui. Lizzie Maui. <laughs> on Twitter. L-I-Z-Z-Y-M-A-W-Y. Thanks for joining us. Please like and comment. Five star on iTunes. We'll see you guys next week. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.